All right, uh, our text for this uh, morning for the, um, the Sunday service that is all about stewardship of life comes from Psalm 8. It's a great psalm. It's, it's quoted a lot. It's sung a lot. If you haven't noticed, we sang it a bunch of times already this morning in worship. Um, psalm 8 is just this beautiful sort of expression of wonder at the majesty of God. And then just right there in the middle, it talks about the, the great majesty, glory, all these things of the Lord are reflected in us. And, and just kind of marvels at that, that humanity is part of this thing. So we're going to talk today about this thing called the Imago Dei. So this is Psalm chapter 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, this is one of those Sundays where you're going to get a mini sermon before the sermon because <laughs> that's kind of how we have to do This is Stewardship of Life Sunday. And in that, there is always a potential to kind of cross over into stuff that we don't want to cross over, uh, and we do that on purpose. So in this congregation, we've, we have, especially it's, it's kind of my personal belief, my, my direction, leadership, we keep these two things very separate, church and politics, Right? Or you might, you might hear it as church and state. And it's not because I'm worried, or, or I know some people are worried, that, that our religion might mess up politics or the state or all that kind of stuff. And that's not why we do it. <laughs> it's because politics and, and that sort of a thing can really mess up a church. That's the reason why it's important to keep separate. And I work hard at that, sometimes to an annoying level. I know one of the things that kind of does bother some people sometimes is we, even to the extent we, we keep things separate, we don't have a Thanksgiving Eve worship service. I know. Like, but I, I, I've looked, I've researched, I've read, and in the early church, like 2000, or 200, 300, 400 AD, no mention of the Nina Pinta and Santa Maria. I searched, I looked. Even Martin Luther, in his great wisdom, did not include in liturgical calendar the Detroit Lions losing on Thursday in November, right? Sorry. <laughs> I have a lot of friends from Detroit. So I actually have a form to fill out if they win today. I'm joining their bandwagon. It's an official form. I have to fill it out. I have to give up my team for a week. Anyways, we, we keep them separate because... Like I said, it's, it's the church, and the church is, is so much more important than our country, and I love God's church 
more than I love this country. And I'm, that isn't to disparage our country. I love this country. It is, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. As much as I love going to Kenya, as much as I love mission work in foreign places, this, this country is the greatest country, I believe, that's ever existed. It's the best place to live. I love this country. I love the church more. Because it is more significant, it is more important, and it, and it is concerning things that are just so much more profound and so much more important than, than even this great place in which we live. But there's one spot where things, just by nature of the, the topic, cross over. So in the Venn diagram of church and politics, which I have for us here today, <laughs> it's just life. That's it. Because if you look at these things, you know, like taxes, environmental policies, social justice, immigration, war, or on the church side, we, we are concerned about discipleship, sacraments, worship, ministry, well, who pays taxes? People, right? Uh, environmental policies, who enforces those and, and who has to follow them? People. Social justice, what is that about? People in society. Uh, immigration is about people immigrating, right? Not animals. War, obviously. And on the church side, we've got discipleship of people. There's no, there's no white-tailed deer discipleship here at Living Faith, as much as I'd like there to be. The sacraments are distributed to people. Worship is the people of God gathering, and ministry is done by and for people. So it's, it's, it's not the topics that cross over. It's really the medium. Now, I'm, I'm here to tell you 100%. Your faith absolutely could and should inform your views on those things under politics. 100%. In fact, your faith should be the first thing that informs you on those things. Otherwise, you're not a Christian first. You're a party member first. And that's not good. You're a Christian first. You're a child of God first. But we're not going to bring those things here, but we are going to talk about life. And it fits in the concept of stewardship of life because of this incredibly important doctrine that is, uh, of course, so important that we have a Latin name for it, Imago Dei. <laughs> Imago Dei. You guys remember, I've, I've said this before, why do we use Latin, why do I use Latin, I should say, in church, in sermons? There's two reasons. One, so I sound smart. Two, <laughs> that is one. Two is because it, it just gives a, a sense of its its bigger than you think it is. It's image of God is all that that means in Latin. It's imago dei in Latin. I like to use that because, man, if I sat here this morning and, and if you gave me an entire hour just to talk on the imago dei, I, I would give you one one thousandth of one percent all of my knowledge, all of my understanding, every, my opinions on its implications in your life, one one-thousandth of one percent of all that has been written by PhDs, theologians, and pastors over the years. And if you were to read and absorb all that they have written, you would have a fraction of one percent still in understanding of this concept. It is huge, but it can be summed in a nutshell for our purposes this morning as 
as just this marveling at, at how we're different. We're different than all of the other animals. In the text this morning in, in Psalm 8, we've got a scripture to put up here. The first scripture, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? This is in contrast to sun and moon and stars and all of these marvelous things that are all around us. The author is going, but people, like somehow human beings are this pinnacle of all of creation. We're, We're different than anything the idea that we're just like a, a critter, but like a super advanced critter, ignores this huge difference between us and all of the other animals. Just in terms of like the, the right brain stuff, right? Creativity, singing songs, and, and praising the Lord with our voices. Nothing else really does that. And I think, well, like birds and stuff, and even the Psalms say that creation sings out, and Songs of birds are so... That's them talking to each other, right? We find it musical. We find beauty in the sounds of nature. Nature doesn't. This spring, when the birds start singing, and you go, oh, I love this sound. It's like music. Do you know what your cat's thinking? (laughs) Yum, right? It's not music to a cat's ear the way it is ours. And we we talk about animals using tools, where they're using things to do other things, which is technically using tools. Walk into a mechanic's garage and look at tools. Look at air compressors that drive sockets, that that move, look, hydraulic. I mean, the the difference between, between the things of the earth and us is phenomenal. That's all a reflection of what God has given when it comes to his image. He has given us the ability to create. He's given us the ability to appreciate beauty and art. And the left brain things. You ever see a dog do math? (laughs) No. You 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 ever see science performed by just animals in the animal kingdom, the curiosity to even go that direction, that's part of the reflection of Imago Dei. And like I said, I can go on and on and on about this thing. Just, just trust me, this topic is huge and it's incredibly important that we have the image of God created. In fact, if I were to do my own translation, we have that scripture, same verse, I'll put that one up here. Dude, wow, seriously wow. What you gave to humans when you created us, dude. <laughs> That's the um, unauthorized Pastor Luke version, in case you're wondering. Same verse. That's how I read it. That's how I express it. It's, it's, it's just incredible. And in our text this morning, it has this sense that, that the way in which we reflect this, the way in which we not only use it as a reflection to the world around us about our Savior Jesus, but the way in which all humanity reflects that to the Lord is just being alive, just existing, that we are people, and that we are people with people around us. That's part of the the image of God reflecting his glory just existing, just that there are people who are alive is, is something that is so powerful <laughs> that Satan hates it. 
Satan, sin, death, all of those things, that, that they exist, exist because they hate life. There is a real force that pushes against this imago dei that reflects all of the glorious, wonderful things of God. In fact, here's a fun little tidbit. In our text this morning, there is a beautiful little taunt of God's foe. We know who God's foe is, right? God's foe is the very real devil, demons, all of that, but also just evil, the concept, sin, brokenness, corruption, all of those things hate life. And the taunt, we'll put the scripture up here, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you've established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. That babies exist is an affront because they're just, ba- they didn't do anything cool or great, right? I mean, Fisher is cool, <laughs> right? Hasn't like, you know, kicked a soccer ball yet or written a dissertation or anything like that, but we love babies. Babies are wonderful, but I mean, really, what do the babies do, right? They just poop and eat, usually in that order. <laughs> right? And hopefully sleep sometimes. And, and the scripture says, look, that they even exist is an affront to the enemy, to the devil himself. Just being, just being alive makes Satan angry because God has given humans the image of God that angels and fallen angels don't have. So those fallen angels war against humanity. And they war against humanity by by bringing into our world brokenness and sin, temptation, opportunity for us to fail, opportunity for us to hurt one another, opportunity for us to, to violate stewardship of life by making someone else's life harder or by making our own life harder, by chasing after things that aren't good for us, Dan focused on, on what he eats. I think he had a bad week. Does anybody else catch that drift in the confession? Like Dan fell off the wagon of, of his diet this last week. Come on, Dan, we know you can do it. <laughs> but it's, it's not, it is that. He's not wrong at all. It's, it's that. It's, it's anything with our bodies, right? And, and sometimes it's not even our fault, Sometimes the, the diagnosis comes, and it's, it's not because you ate this or did that. Or sometimes it's just brokenness. Sometimes you, you are injured in an accident. It's not your fault, but it's a reminder from the devil himself. It's a reminder from sin that this world doesn't like your life, that the brokenness of this world is opposed to your life. That, that is constantly happening. And, and the scripture says something remarkable. We're going to put our next text up here. Scripture says, Yet you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. That dominion, that, that all things under his feet, we have power. We have some control and some power, even though it doesn't feel like it all the time. When I get sick, there's, there's medication that has been created, by the way, because of the Mago Dei, because of the, the brilliance of human minds that God has gifted us with, the ability to be curious, to see how things work and develop medicines, right? So I'm sick and I take some medicines and it helps, but I'll probably get sick again. 
right? I, I may get something, and there's, there's something I can do. There's a surgery. There's something, and, it, and it'll help for a time, but the, the day will come when it feels like I don't have dominion over all creation. And I'm going to wonder, what about the Mago Dei? What about this Imago Dei where I'm supposed to have dominion over all things? By the way, we ought to even have dominion over death, the devil, demons, sin. If all those things are things and all things are under our feet, where is our power over them? Where is our dominion over these things? Because we live in a world that it often feels like we don't have that. It can feel like we're out of control when our body just keeps failing us, when our mind keeps failing us, when our spirit that wants to do good, that wants to avoid sin and do right, when our, when our spirit, when our hearts, when, when we want to live the life God has called us to live and we fail to do it, it doesn't feel like we have any power at all. You ever feel just powerless over a situation and you go... Maybe you don't do this. I do. Where's my Imago Dei? <laughs> Where, where's my ability? The, doesn't the scripture say this has been given to us in creation? Well, sin has broken that to a great deal, to a great extent. Sin has, has marred the image of God that each and every one of us carries with us just by virtue of being alive. But the Imago Dei has been restored. In Christ Jesus, duh, right? Of course, that's the answer, in Jesus. But in Jesus, we see an image of God perfected. In a person. God taking on flesh is also this, not just this perfect atoning sacrifice, it's all of those things, but today we're, we're thinking about in a, in a person, in a man, in a, in, a, in a person with a heartbeat, with a mind, with eyes, with, with fingers and toes, a person walking creation with total dominion over all things. This is why his miracles are so profound, beyond how profound they were for that person, how profound they are for us. Because the Imago Dei does have the power to look at creation, a blind man, and say, see. Perfected Imago Dei has the power for a lame person to say, rise and walk. To those with leprosy to say, be healed, and they are. The perfect image of God that we all are striving for in our lives that we'll never reach because of our sinful nature, because of our created beings. But that image, that be like Christ concept, isn't a goal for us to work to, to be better people, right? To do what Jesus did, because you won't, because you're not God. Instead, it's a beacon to inform us and to show us that's what it's supposed to be like. No pain, no suffering, no sorrow, no disease, no brokenness, no blindness, no lameness, no, no, none of those things, no hunger. None of that is the way it's supposed to be. 
When God created his people and gave the image of God, the intention, of course, was this perfect world with none of these issues. And it made Satan so angry that he went and tempted and fooled and tricked and Eve and Adam together rebelled and sinned and we feel the consequence for, for all of our lives, for all the history of the world. But we see it restored. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like that, where Jesus was and what he did. The Imago Dei is restored perfectly, perfectly for each and every one of us at the resurrection. Of course, when we're raised from the dead, of course, on that last day when all of those who have fallen asleep before us are lifted up out of the tomb, of course, on that last day we experience that perfection in perpetuity for eternity and all of that. Until then, we know what it should be. We know how it ought to be. We know how we can improve it. <laughs> but until then, what we're going to do, I'm going to do, I hope you do, but as a congregation, we are going to be stewards of life. So this is Stewardship of Life Sunday. It's not about policies and politics. Stewardship of Life Sunday isn't about um, pro-life, anti-abortion. It's not about hospice, war. It's, it's not about any of those political things that it could be made about. What it's about is being stewards of this great gift of just being alive. Recognizing places where we are able to, to engage, foster, encourage, and bless that. Where we can preserve it where we, where we can care for life because we're surrounded as a, as a Christian and as a church, we are surrounded by a world who doesn't care too much for it, right? That those foods that Dan keeps eating exist <laughs> is an indication. The world doesn't care too much about your life. The world doesn't care too much what you eat, what you do, how you live, whether it's good for you, whether it's bad for you. The world doesn't care. God does. God cares for each and every one of you. He cares so much just that you exist. He is overwhelmed with joy. Just that you're here. I almost started this with a problem to get through it. We all are so important. You're so important to God. It's, it's unquantifiable. I mean, think, think about how valuable a person is. And, and when, when somebody goes missing, we mobilize police departments and fire departments. We search helicopters, airplanes. We, we send out dogs to track. We know people are important. 
And that is a shadow. Remember where I started with this? If, if I spent the entire hour talking about how important I think every one of you is, everyone I know by name, if I, if I spent the entire hour telling you how you important you are, I would get through one one-thousandth of one percent of how important you are. And that doesn't even begin to tell you how important you are to God. What is the value of a person? It's unquantifiable. Think if it's your child or your spouse. What would you give for that person's life? I would liquidate. I would sell my house, my vehicles, everything I own if, if I knew that it would save a life of one of my children. So what is the value to me? Everything, literally everything. I would give my own life for my own child or for my spouse. But is that all they're worth? Just me? Not to God. I can't even get to express to you how important. It is unimaginable, unspeakable, unknowable. Or is it? Maybe it's a lot easier than all that. Maybe... It's as simple as looking at what's in the book. Maybe it's as simple as knowing you're so important to God, he would give his own son. Now, how big a deal is that? I don't know, the creator of the universe, the, the one who knits all of us together in our mother's wombs, the one who placed the sun and the moon and the stars and the heaven, the, the one who created the intricacies of all things, the one who bestowed upon us his very image to be creative, to, to enjoy beauty, to, to be able to talk, to be able to hold conversations, to be able to value other people. The one who gave that to us, even though we lost it, wants to give it back. And how important is that to him? So important that he would give all of those things, even himself, for you. And I don't mean the collective you. I mean you as an individual, you as a person. God thinks you are so valuable that he would spare nothing, not even his own son. That's what he thinks about you and every living person. Everyone, every single person in this room, in this state, in this country, on this planet, he loves deeply. Let's act like it. Let's live like that. Let's treat people as valuable as God thinks they are. Not as valuable as we think they are. Not as important as they are to us, but as important as they are to God. He's going to give us that Imago Dei. He's going to restore it to us in fullness on that last day. That is great news. But everyone out there has a piece of it as broken and shattered as it might be. 
Those people who are in the gutters, in the streets, those people who are poor, those, those victims of war and famine, those, those women and children who are refugees and who are destitute, they are not, not a bit less important than me. Not a, not a shred less valuable than my kids to God. Let's act like it. Amen.